Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, digital agency owners and podcast listeners. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to ask you a quick question. Are you currently stressed out, cash crunched, or fed up with your business? If you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem, or maybe that it's the area you live in, or maybe this market has become too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around, and I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now that it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who comes to you saying they need a website or Facebook ads or maybe a mobile app developed, but they don't even realize the deeper challenge or opportunity that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a YouGurus strategy call where we'll dig into those underlying issues and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments will shift the way you think forever and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your strategy call. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start your application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. All right, let's introduce today's guest. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. Today, I am hanging out with Jonathan Martin. Jonathan is the founder of Cool Blue Web, a WooCommerce expert agency, Little Rhino, a SMB-focused WordPress shop, and most importantly, VerifyWP.com, a pre-employment WordPress developer assessment platform. Today, we're going to be hanging out with Jonathan, learning all about his agency story. Jonathan, welcome to the program. Brent, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. So tell me, uh, pin this picture. What is what does your agency look like today? Like how many people are you? What all do you have going on in the business? Yeah, so a couple of a uh, couple of irons in the fire, right? So really have two agencies. Uh, I'll, I'll talk primarily about Cool Blue Web. Uh, so Cool Blue Web is an e-commerce focused development agency. We're WooCommerce experts. We do some work on the Magento platform. Uh, really strong kind of you know WordPress focused stuff. We we love the e-commerce space because we're what I would call a developer forward agency. So, you know, we have a team of developers that like to solve hard problems. People don't come to us for simple websites. They want something more complicated. I I actually started the agency 10 years ago. Uh, you know, literally in my basement until I, you know, couldn't couldn't handle that anymore because my newborn child was screaming and making too much noise upstairs, and uh, you know, kind of moved out and uh, grew grew the agency kind of from there. So you've got kind of two two kind of sub agencies, I guess, within within the agency. Two, yeah. two kind of major things going on. Developer focus. How many total people are you guys? Yeah, so there's there's 11 of us here at Cool Blue Web today. We've been, um, you know, as big as about 27, 28 people. Today we're at 11. It, it, kind of an interesting story on how that that transpired, right? So when I when I first started my agency, I was actually a, an e-commerce merchant. I ran four e-commerce stores, uh, you know, real kind of specialty niche e-commerce stores that sold, you know, drop ship products, the the nice easy kind of thing to sell that you don't have to actually ship anything out. 
And and that's really where I kind of cut my teeth in the e-commerce space. And I, I really kind of fell in love with with doing that kind of work. And, and it wasn't too long before I realized that I liked building e-commerce stores more than I liked running them and doing the SEO and the paid search and all that kind of stuff, just kind of on a day in and day out basis. And so that's, you know, hence where Cool Blue Web started from, was from, from that kind of concept. Two years into Cool Blue Web, we actually sold off those uh, e-commerce stores to other uh, other people, other small business owners kind of around the country, and, and they're still going today, which is awesome, right? Like somebody's running them. Our focus just turned to be solely on, you know, building e-commerce stores for, for other people. You know, we, we grew, uh, you know, our first like six years of business, we were basically doubling in size every single year till we hit 27 people doing about, I don't know, two and a half million dollars a year in revenue. And, and it, you know, the agency was, you know, we tried to be kind of everything to all people, right? We tried to work with the smallest customer that only needed a little move on a website. You know, they needed a little feature added. They just need the, some, some text changed on their website all the way up to building kind of custom subscription platforms for Star Wars and Marvel and, and some really kind of fun, really involved products. And, and today we're still doing a lot of that work, but we've shrunk down from that 27, right? We're now at about 11 people. Over the last two years, we've kind of steadily been shrinking a little bit and kind of changing our focus from trying to do you know everything for all people to really figuring out where we want to be, the kind of work that we want to do, and then and then hyper focusing on that. Was there um, so so ten years? Sounds like there was a, a rapid acceleration and then somewhat of a rapid deceleration. Was there something that happened that kind of? made you realize that you can't be everything to all people all the time? Was there uh, any kind of moment that you can recall that kind of that shift started? Yeah, absolutely. Right. So at, at our peak, um, we had a client that was just under a million dollar a year client for us. They were a huge client and they eventually kind of outgrew us is, is the best way for me to, to describe it. So they hired uh, some new people internally in the organization and they wanted to, you know, both pull a lot of that development work in and also, you know, accelerate everything, right? And so in that process, we weren't able to keep up with their demands. I mean, instead of a 27-person team, they want, wanted a, you know, a 300-person team. And, and you know, as, a, as an agency, you just can't make that jump that quick. And so, you know, they left us, right? And they left us on good terms. They paid their bills. We delivered great code and a functioning product before it was all over, and, and we left smiling and happy. But as an agency, to go from you know a two and a half million dollar a year agency down to a one and a half million dollar agency, that's a painful experience, right? That like that that that's an ego hit. That's a that's a culture hit because we ended up having to lay a, you know a significant number of people off and. And at the time, we were very focused on having everyone work in our office. And so everyone was friends with each other. We're really focused on building that kind of internal culture. And when you go through a size reduction like that, it is a culture shock. And it is, yeah. it, you know, it's a knife in the heart. And, and so in that process, one of the things that, I mean, it kind of, there was a bunch of cascading issues that happened out of that. That million-dollar-year customer kind of sucked all of the, the brain power out of our organization, all of our top performers were working on that million dollar a year client, all of our, you know, mediocre or maybe sub mediocre 
performers were working on other clients within our company and we're <laughs> more juniors, right? right? To the, the podcast they're, they're great people. It? Yep. They're is great that... people. Uh, but the challenge is, is that we were actually delivering not as great quality work for our other clients. We were doing amazing work for this really big client and, and work that, you know, was okay for the, for the rest of that book of business. And then when we lost that million dollar client and we turned around and we started looking at the rest of our book of business, we just saw lots of, you know, where we were making mistakes, where we weren't delivering the best quality code that we could, where we weren't doing, putting our best foot forward, right? Where we had people on our team that, that weren't, you know, ready to be handling the type of work that we were putting in front of them. And, and it, and it was all because we were so distracted by that, you know, big shiny object of that great big customer. And that, and that was a, you know, it took us a year to recover from that. Yep. And it so was, it was hard, right? It was a really difficult thing. To, uh, to that a little bit. Um, Cause I think this is, this is such a valuable story. And I feel like there's so many layers to this event happening. There's stuff that kind of leads up to something like this happening. There's, and it sounds like you guys have learned some, some valuable and probably expensive lessons uh, from this. Yeah. Uh, and then there's that, that actual moment that it happens. And then, then there's kind of some of the, the fallout, right? And I, I know, I know for a fact, there are a huge amount of our audience right now that have what I would call a whale client meaning they have this client that is, you know, that 40, 50%, maybe more in some cases. I know there are people that have the client that's basically the business, right? They're 80% or more yeah. of the revenue. And I know that when you have that client, I mean, there's, there's some folks that are kind of unaware of it. I don't want to say oblivious, but unaware that they have this situation going on, that one client kind of holds the keys to the business. But for a lot of people, they are super aware of this and it freaks them out. It's like the thought that goes through their mind right before they go to sleep at night is, what if my whale, like what if tomorrow is the day that I get the email that the director of marketing is moving over to some other agency and all of a sudden something new is going to come in, they're going to shop. Or maybe it's the day that I get the email that they just, they, they think it's like casual. They're like, hey, we're going to just try something new, right? Um, you know, <laughs> like I've seen this go down in so many different ways. Before this happened for you guys, were you, you know, first of all, were you aware or unaware that this was a really big risk for, for the business? So we were aware that it was a risk for the business. And, and I think that it's a risk worth taking for, for, for a business. Where I think we really made a mistake was we took our eyes off the rest of our clients. We actually had a pretty large book of business. We had about 60 clients, 70 clients that we served on a, a monthly basis. Problem is, is that we were ignoring 59 or 69 of those clients, right? We weren't giving them great attention and the work that was delivered to them the best possible attention. And I think in doing that is really what made it the most painful, right? So losing a big client, really, really painful. But then losing that big client and realizing that all of the rest of the work that you have isn't something that, you're, that you want, right? Is, is, isn't really the right fit work. <laughs> Uh, is even more painful. It was like, you know, it's like you get punched in the gut and then you get punched in the nose right after. And so I think that having a whale client, don't, don't turn down a whale if you have that opportunity, but just be sure that you're focused on diversifying and, and delivering great work and, you know, cultivating the employees that are working on the other, other clients that you have as well. So that just in case that whale goes away and whales always go away eventually, right? They, then you're, you still have something to fall back on. Did it take you some time? I mean, I've, I've heard, I've heard lots of different 
uh, stories over the years about where you, you, somebody loses a whale, they scramble, they try to replace them, they kind of try to maintain that culture, this, this friend group, if you will, uh, maybe a little bit too long. Like they hold on and they kind of go, we're going to get this back, guys. Nobody's getting fired today, right? Uh, for you guys in this scenario, I mean, how did it play out? Did you have the foresight to say, look, we got we to gotta cut bait fast and pivot? Or was there any kind of like, you know, was there any like momentum or period of time where maybe you guys didn't didn't make those decisions? Yeah, so uh, I thought I cut cut once and cut deep is what I thought I was doing. I, you know, I talked to some other people that I knew that ran businesses and they said, okay, great. You lose this thing, cut, cut once and cut deep. The problem is, is I didn't cut deep enough. I thought I did and it was tough. And, and over the course of that year, the next year, we actually landed enough clients to not drop in revenue, but our, we, we lost money that year, right? We, we, the, the profit margin suffered so much because I was so focused on replacing that, that big whale customer that I didn't land best fit projects. And so some of those projects ended up costing us money. Whereas what I think we should have done is cut even deeper, right? Than, than we had, and then only focus on best fit products or projects that would have been so much better for us. But again, my focus was, okay, great. I'll cut deep, cut once replace the work, but I'll take any work that it can possibly come to me because I have to keep hit this revenue target. My focus was solely on trying to keep that top line revenue consistent. And I let bottom line, which is the one that actually matters, you know, suffer because of that. And, and it was a, it was a huge mistake on my part. So almost like, uh, I love this, this story, John, there's so much to, to learn from. Cause I know there's, I mean, I literally know for a fact, just based on the audience as we have, there's probably an agency owner right now who just got this email, or maybe they're right in the midst of this and they're hearing you say cut once and cut deep and, and realizing maybe that you're not cutting deep enough. I mean, any, any retrospective insights about how to decide how far down to go in the business or how much pain that you need to kind of endured in the short term to get it right. I mean, and also the other thing I've heard you say is that instead of taking this as an opportunity to pivot and think strategically about who's right for your agency and who's not right for your agency, you guys kind of just said, let's, let's keep taking whatever we can almost like reverse strategic, right? Just like, just yep. trying to make sure you're maintaining the status quo. Uh, so any insights on that for our, our listeners? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that um, I would leave, I I so, so uh, there's a there's a, a business coach, uh, David C. Baker. Uh, he's an agency guy. He, he's got a great line in his book that talks about you know the way to become an expert is to reduce capacity. He, he says something like that, and and the reason why is because if you reduce capacity, you gain the opportunity to say no to more deals that come your way. Like every agency has a deal flow, they have a lead flow. You get three leads a week, you get 20 leads a week, whatever that deal flow is, you lose a big whale customer, you're still going to get that same number of deals coming to you. But cut employees so that you get to be super, super picky about the deals that you land, rather than I'm going to try to close everything. And I think that that's the, the, the biggest thing to do is not try to cut and say, okay, great, I can sell into my capacity to make sure that I don't have to lose these people, but, but cut to the point where you have, you know, there's, there's, there's so much opportunity out there compared to the size of your company that you really can focus on the right fit clients. And, and 
your clients are going to be happier because of it. Because if they're a right fit client, you know, you're going to make money and they're going to value the work that you do. If they're a bad fit client, you're going to lose money and they're going to be mad at you at the end of the relationship, which is painful and, and sucks too, right? So it's, it's really important that you have more opportunity than you can possibly handle so that you can be really picky about the opportunity you take advantage of. That's awesome. And I'm a big fan of David uh, C. Baker. He's been on the show before. So we'll, uh, for our listeners, we'll, in the show notes, we'll link out to uh, that interview that I did with David. And, uh, and, and he's got a, a fantastic book as well. So and I, like, I like that, right? It's like become an expert by reducing capacity versus selling to your capacity, kind of trying to gain that, gain that momentum mm-hmm. back, right? So how long did it take? You mentioned you kind of had a year to recover. So eventually you got wise to not wanting to just kind of throw more, you know, more clients onto this pile, right? In, in order to maintain that, that top line vanity metric. What, it was, was it a really slow evolution for you to realize that you guys had to get more strategic and maybe, you know, start deciding more about who you're not going to work with? Um, as much yeah. as who you're going to, uh, you, you know, so I, it was, it was probably, it t- probably took a full year for us to, to realize that that was an issue. And, and, w- and once we did, we, we, we almost overcorrected. We, you know, created this ideal customer and then found what we thought was our ideal process to handle that ideal customer. And then tried to take all of those ideal customers and push them into that exact same process rather than being a little bit flexible. And so I think that, you know, that, that experience of taking everything was so painful that we overcorrected a little bit. We've since kind of, you know, readjusted so that we're a little bit more flexible with the clients that we take on, but we were trying to basically force everyone into kind of a strict development cycle, you know, sprint driven releases where we only release twice a month. And, you know, some customers need a little bit more hot fix time. They're, they're in a different phase in their life cycle. And, and so, you know, it, it took us a year to realize that we can't take all comers. And then I think it took us another year to realize that we need to be a little bit more flexible. We went a little too rigid. So you create, I mean, we hear a lot of people talk about, you know, productizing your services and creating, and we've had uh, some awesome guests on this show where we talk about productizing our services and creating SOPs and try to create your your agency uh, as this, you know, machine, but even a productized service, I mean, there's still the word service in there. I mean, it's it's hard to get any service business, I think, to where uh, you're not able to account for at least a little bit of, of variability uh, in there. So how how did you, you go about deciding what, what you were going to be flexible on and what you weren't going to be flexible on? So I, I think it came down to the for, – for us, it was the biggest thing about whether it was – kind of a project-based or milestone-driven work where things are scheduled out and planned and we have releases scheduled. And so we're working towards kind of a a vision or a goal for the customer. We tried to push every customer into that model. Whereas, you know, customers, that, that that was the ideal customer for us. But some of our ideal customers, they might have two big initiatives a year and then the rest of the year, they're kind of in maybe a little bit of odds and ends and a little bit of a tweak here and a tweak there. And they don't really want to be vision driven at that point in time because they're in pause, right? We'll, we'll roll out a feature, a large feature for their website. And then they're like, great, we're going to go use it for a while and make some money and then come back and, and you know, create a new feature for our website or, or build a new plugin or integration or whatever that might be. And so I, I think in for us, it, was, it was, wasn't about like the, the type of work that we were doing necessarily. It was more 
how it was delivered to the customer. And, and when we're milestone or project delivery focus, we're delivering on specific re release cycles. There's a specific layer of account management. And that doesn't really work the same way. Like if somebody says, you know, hey, there's something broken on my site. I need that fixed. We can't say, great, I'll fix it and we'll release it to your website in two weeks. Or, you know, it doesn't really help that client to have to, to talk to an account manager who then has to go talk to a technical leader who then has to go talk to a developer to get that done. They just need to be able to talk to a developer and the developer goes, oh yeah, that's one line of code. I'm going to go fix that for you right now. And there's different kind of layers to, to that. And I think that's, that's the thing we had to kind of break apart. We still only work with right fit clients, right? The, if, if they're not a good fit for us, if they're not, if our work, if they don't value our work, we get rid of them. If, if, if we don't believe in their product, we get rid of them. Um, and, and they have to kind of have an ongoing need for development services. If they're a cookie cutter e-commerce store and they don't need us, then we don't want them as a client because we're going to charge them money. They're not going to feel like they get value. And then that's just going to lead to a bad relationship. Yeah. I like that. I, I like to thinking about the, um, you know, the, the how too is it, it is important because sometimes we get carry. I mean, we, we do a lot of, uh, you know, coaching and training around finding your market and your niche and, 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 and that type of stuff. But there is also something to be said about the, the type of work that's being requested and kind of how people are purchasing from you and how they're engaging with your agency, uh, because that probably in some cases holds as much weight to the process as, you know, what market they're in necessarily. Hey, what's up, digital agency owners? Are you currently an SEO agency or an agency that offers SEO services to your clients? I have some exciting news for you today. There's a platform called SEO Monitor that is built specifically to help digital agencies provide more effective SEO campaigns for their clients, ultimately helping you guys make more money and be more profitable. SEO Monitor is the only SEO platform that is actively working for you as an agency. Their platform is laser focused on companies that are offering SEO services to their clients, providing deep insights on keywords, campaign level reporting, and also a topic explorer that's going to help you provide better keyword research for your clients. Their platform understands the dynamics of running multiple SEO campaigns and also managing multiple clients under one platform. One of my favorite tools within the SEO Monitor platform is their forecasting tool. This tool literally allows you to forecast the value of SEO services so that you can go back to your clients and help pitch them on higher value services, which is totally in alignment with everything that YouGurus teaches. SEO Monitor offers a world-class support team, so they're there when you need them, and they have top-level service-level agreements to make sure that your agency is always able to deliver to your clients. If you want to find out more about the SEO Monitor and YouGurus partnership, go to SEO Monitor forward slash DAS for Digital Agency Show. That's SEOMonitor.com forward slash DAS. On that page, there's more information about how SEO Monitor is going to help you level up your SEO game, deliver better results to your clients, and become more profitable. There's links out to their free Topics Explorer tool, which is pretty awesome, free for anybody to use, and I highly recommend it. They also have information about their Spark program, which is a $5,000 grant for SEO agencies or companies that are focused on SEO that have been in business for less than three years. So check that out at seomonitor.com forward slash DAS. All right, let's get back to our program. Now, earlier in today's interview, you mentioned kind of your your team, your culture, how seriously you take 
you take that. You've got 11 people on your team. You've had as many as 27. We've kind of talked about downsizing. Uh, so how to, yeah. how to know how much to cut and how, you know, how and when to make that happen. But let's talk about the reverse, right? Of actually getting the right people into your team. I know you've got some specific expertise in this area or, or at least experience that, you, that, that would be valuable for our listeners. You know, what's, what's worked for you in terms of, uh, of building that culture and, and getting the right team onto, onto your bus? So I, I think that, and, and you hear this from a lot of people where they talk about, you know, interview for culture first and skill later. Um, and, and I think that that is, you know, was the advice that I listened to, I think, for the first eight years of, of running my agency. Um, and, and I think that in some regards, that helps build a stronger culture. And, and I think that that builds a, a, a tighter knit team because you're finding people that that meet the personality or emotional construct of of whatever the, the culture is of your team. The, the challenge is, is if you hire uh, what I found is if you hire for culture first and skill later and then have to fire that person later on because they can't rise to the skill, that that ends up becoming a huge negative impact to that culture that you've been fighting to protect. And, and it, it be, it's a real big challenge. And, you know, people are like, wait a minute, I had lunch with that person yesterday and now they don't work here anymore. They were my friend. What, 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 what happened there? And, and I think that the, the, the meaning and the intention behind hire for culture first over skill is, is good, right? I, I think that the, the meaning behind that is great, but something that a resume or uh, an interview process is actually horrible at doing is sussing out culture fit, is sussing out skill fit. And um, we actually developed a product, Verify WP. I won't go too much into the specifics about what it does, but the, the, the focus should be, you know, test for skill and then interview for culture. So it, you, it's not that you're going to pick the most skilled person for the position, regardless of their character flaws. That, that, that's, again, that's something that, you know, has been the, the death of many an agency but often, you know, when we, when we go through that, you know, looking at the application process, we're filtering out great candidates and they never even get in front of us for that culture interview because we look at their resume and, you know, I'm sure, you know, a lot of developers don't know how to sell themselves on a resume or the ones that do oversell themselves and, and they say that they can do everything in this world and they, they really can't. Um, and, and so what you're doing is you're leaving a lot of great candidates or what I would like to call leakage on the table that, that, you know, you just kind of write off. And I've seen so many agencies find those diamonds in the rough where they find a developer that, you know, maybe doesn't present themselves well. So they're a little bit cheaper, right? They're, they're not commanding kind of top market dollar and they bring that person into their organization. And because they're great at what they do and, and they are a culture fit, the, the agency makes ends up making significantly more money, and that customer and that, that employee, I mean, stays with that agency for longer because they gave them a chance when no one else did. And it was all be, it wasn't because that person did, didn't have the skill or didn't have the culture fit, but they just didn't represent themselves well on a resume. They didn't tell a, a story about their work in a compelling fashion, or you know, they used serif fonts, and I hate serif fonts, right? And and if they use that on a resume, like I would just throw those off to the side because we have these implicit biases that we use to kind of filter people out. And, and unfortunately, I think we're leaving great candidates on the table. It, and I'm, I think I'm, I'm right with you. I mean, I think that hiring for, for culture, I mean, ultimately there, if there's not a culture or values fits, 
that that will, you know, that can cause massive problems later. And they're really hard to fix that. Like if somebody just inherently doesn't share the same values as you, and that's coming from when they were like in elementary or middle school or high school or earlier in their life for their, you know, how they grew up. I mean, those are big patterns and habits to shift for somebody, beliefs. But I think there is something we said about people that have the skill set, or at least their past performance is, um, you know, a lot of times with new, with higher, it is indicative of their of their future success. I mean, do they have the skills, or at least do they exhibit the ability to quickly learn new skills, whether there's some type of test or assessment? Because it is it, that tells a lot about a person's core values as well. When we would give new designers or developers, we would, uh, you know, in our hiring process, we always had one of the interactions. If it was a technical seat, or it was a seat that required any kind of production or creation of deliverables, we usually, ninety nine percent of the time, had a, a step in the hiring process to have that type of some small assessment, not like a massive project, but something that could be done in half a day, uh, and. I always found that you could learn a lot about their skill set, but also those other skills of are they doing the work to go and figure out the stuff that they don't know? And so if there is that skill gap, you can feel confident that they've got that growth mindset that, you know, they're a self-starter, you know, and and that for us is one of our core values. So when we look at, okay, we're going to interview for values, but at the same time, we might give somebody an assessment or test to see if they have the skills. And if they don't have the skills, do they quickly close that gap? Because if there is a big skills gap, you know, are we going to make the right choice or not? If they are the right culture fit, I had a guy once I hired who um, he, you know, he didn't know the programming language that we, that we wanted. And so he literally said, if you give me 30 days, give me a project, give me 30 days. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm going to learn this language. I'm going to master it. And if I can get this project to you in 30 days, like, would you, would you consider it? I'm like, well, <laughs> okay. You know, and I went ahead and hired another dev that already knew the language. And it was crazy because the dev that already knew the language, there was a sort of culture fit ended up not being able to deliver it. But the guy that, you know, had that culture fit and could close the skill gap, like that was, that was ended up who, who our forever employee was or whatever. Right. So I find that you can, you know, people can lean too much into culture. And then there's also the potential that you lean too much into skills and, you know, you kind of forget the culture. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And, and I think that, that the, the process that you just outlined is one that a lot of uh, agencies do where they, they go through, they get 100 applications for a position. They take those 100 applications. They pick the 10 best that, that they think are the most qualified for the position. They pick up the phone. They do a phone interview. They bring five in or whatever the deal is. And then they give maybe those five that kind of assessment test that you're talking about, that, that yeah. kind of challenge. And, and the, the challenge is, is you only testing 5% of your applicants in that situation. Yeah, just, you you already say. filtered out 95%. So without even looking at them, test all 100 applicants. Just invite them to come take the test. Not all of them are going to take it. Some people aren't going to be serious enough about the job or are going to be scared away from it, but that's fine. You don't want them anyways. Then only call in the people that got the highest score on the test and then interview those people for culture. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I found for that aspect, it's hugely, it, I mean, it, it, it blew me away. So we ran this test with, with Verify WP. We, so we posted for a remote developer position for um, Little Rhino, that other agency that I own. 
And we actually got 500 applicants for the position. Just blew me away in a week's period of time. We got 500 applicants for a remote developer position. I went through my normal process and I just called through every single one of these applications and I picked out 40 that I thought were going to be the best fit for the position. And then I sent each of those 40 people a letter and I said, you know, congratulations, you've made it to the next round of the interview process. And I talked a little bit about the culture of the company that we're trying to build, what Little Rhino is going to be about, all that kind of stuff. And then I said, we'd like to invite you to the next round. Please take this test. We invite you to take this test and that, that'll move you on to the interview process. And then I went to the five or the 460 people that I didn't think made it. And I wrote them an email and I said, uh, you know, I appreciate you applying for the position, but you did not make it to the next round of the process. That being said, I could be wrong and I'd like to give you another chance. The reason you weren't selected was because maybe you didn't have the right experience we were looking for. Maybe your website didn't tell a compelling enough story about your experience. Take this test and I'll move you on to the next round of the interview process. And so they got the link to the, the Verified WP test, right? So both of these groups of people went through and took the assessment test. Pretty amazingly, we actually had more people score higher scores on the people that I filtered out at 460 <laughs> people that I didn't think were the right fit for the organization. Totally blew me away. I was, and I had filtered out these great candidates because they had serif fonts on their resume or whatever that situation was. Maybe their portfolio was ugly, but they're a back-end developer, so of course it's gonna be ugly. Or you know, they work for an agency that didn't have a strong design set behind them, and so they, their portfolio just didn't show that. And it, it was really surprising to me in, in that if, if agency owners could test first, then interview for culture, then narrow that down rather than do it the other way, right? Because we select by, inter by culture, we select by experience, and then we test just the select few, and we're leaving great candidates on the table. Yeah. And again, I think that's leakage. You know, Jonathan, you made me realize, I mean, I, first of all, I love the fact that you ended up sending the test to the, the, the people that you filtered out anyways. But, you know, the frame was that they were the underdog. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I almost like, I'm just, I'm thinking about my hiring process here. I'm kind of going, man, for the next job that I have, I'm just going to have, you know, if I get a hundred applicants, I'm going to tell them all they didn't get it. And then I'm going to, I'm going to throw <laughs> the test out there to see who, yeah. who can recover from that. Right. Cause that's, that's like, I mean, if there's anything that, 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 you know, a, a mock scenario that just explains agency life to me 100%, right? You work for three weeks and you deliver something amazing to your client and then they just, they're, they're like, we hate it. You guys totally missed the mark, right? If there's anything that gets that taste, I feel like your your accidental experiment. But I mean, look, to, to take your nugget there, I think it's, it's testing all of the people, giving them all a shot in some type of uniform, objective way where they're, they're having an opportunity to, to put something in front of you that's not that's not potentially uh, going to be affected by bias, right? Whether it's the things that yeah. they're you know, that you're reading into that might not be there, you know, can a, can a developer create a, a good looking resume? I think we all know the question that is probably not, but <laughs> uh, but I also love that you guys took the next step on this and you've you know you've developed a platform uh, and a tool about this. Which you know, there's a lot of ways we go to to talk about that. But we've covered we've covered pretty much all the ground that we have for today. So I mean, maybe we have you you back on to talk a little bit more depth about uh, about the platform. We'll talk about that a little bit maybe in the uh, the very end of today's episode. This has been super insightful, Jonathan. I think we've talked a lot about culture. It's interesting because a few episodes we we literally had somebody on and they you know they presented the. Uh, 
the culture for skill later uh, uh, position. And what I love about this show is the opportunity to talk to people that are out there doing this stuff. And there are multiple ways to approach something and getting great outcomes and giving our, our listeners an opportunity to see something from a completely different perspective, pick up some nuggets, maybe try a different approach and see if that works for them. So this has been really, really insightful. And also thanks for uh, you know pulling back the curtain and talking a little about that losing the million dollar sale. I know that's never, never, not, not million dollar sale, million dollar client. Uh, client, right? A fun thing to dig into, but thank you for that. Absolutely. Jonathan, are you ready for our lightning rounds? I am. Let's go for it. All right, man. What is the best advice you've ever received? Can it be non-agency related? I will let you decide. <laughs> okay, great. The best advice that I, that I ever received from a man that it said, it doesn't matter where you are in life. You shouldn't let that stop you from building better relationships or growing your family. Awesome. And I think that relates to every entrepreneur and, and business owner out there, agency or not. So it's great. Uh, which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? I think exercise, getting up early in the morning and working out, oddly enough, kind of sets the mindset for the day that, you know, I can accomplish things. I, I, I hit my goals early in the morning. And so I'm ready to hit more goals throughout the day. Can you share an internet resource, a tool or app like Evernote that you can share uh, with our listeners that you find valuable? Well, besides Verified WP, uh, we, you know, we, we use a lot of uh, Slack and the, uh, this uh, project management tool called Teamwork. It, it's been growing, I, I know, over the past few years, but we absolutely love that tool. Awesome. Those are definitely popular amongst our audience. So Slack and Teamwork as core tools you use to run your agency. And what book would you recommend and why? So uh, I just finished a book called Crucial Accountability. It's uh, by a company called Vital Smarts. They, they run another book as well called Crucial Conversations. And uh, it's about how to hold people accountable and work through accountability discussions when you know, expectations are, are not being met. Awesome. Well, thank you for those. We will link out to that book recommendation, the tools, and also lots of great takeaways and resources and quotables at our, uh, on our show notes. You can find those at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. So if you're on a jog or you're in the car and you've uh, taken some value from today's episode and you want to follow up on uh, things with my interview with Jonathan, just check that out, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. Jonathan, how can our audience find out more about you? And is there anything that you have that they can check out? Yeah, absolutely. So, so you can learn a little bit about me on my, your primary agency website, coolblueweb.com. Um, or of course, you can learn more about us on uh, verifywp.com, which is the platform that we built to help agency owners hire better WordPress developers. Awesome. Well, Jonathan, we will link out to both of those websites, um, both your agency site as well as verifywp.com. Uh, Check that out in our show notes, guys, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. You'll find all sorts of great stuff from Jonathan. If you're listening to this episode right as it comes out, just click on that very first one on our podcast page and you'll find all the details from today's show. Jonathan, thank you so much for stopping by the program today. Thank you, Brent. This has been a lot of fun, actually. Even though it was a hard story for, for the middle, for the, the loss of a client, you know, it's, it's, it's been good talking to you. Very nice. Well, uh, we're looking forward to seeing your continued success. And that is our show for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming at you to help you grow your agency so you can achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. 
Thanks again for tuning in to the Digital Agency Show. Before we close out, I wanted to check in on your answer to my question from the beginning of the episode. Are you stressed out, cash crunched, fed up with your business? Now, if you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem. Maybe that it's the area you live in or that this market has gotten too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around. And I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now, it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who says they need a website, Facebook ads, or a mobile app when they don't even realize it's a deeper challenge is blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a strategy call where we're going to dig into those underlying issues in your business and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments that you're going to have will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your YouGurus strategy call today. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start the application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. Thanks again for tuning in. Join us next week for another episode of the Digital Agency Show. 